Welcome to the really useful podcast. I'm Christian Corley and I'm joined this week by my Make Yourself colleague, James Frew. Hi, James. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks, Christian. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. We've um, got plenty to talk about uh, this week. Uh, in this week's really useful podcast, this is the tech podcast for technophobes. We will be looking at uh, a number of new recent news items that have popped along. So stay tuned to uh, learn about uh, Google's natural disaster alerts. Spotify stations, uh, some news from the um, recent Apple announcements, some grammar checkers, some positivity apps, and some recent giveaways that we have at makeuseof.com. But first of all, uh, let's have a look at these um, Google's uh, natural disaster alerts. Um, They launched SOS alerts in 2017 in an effort to uh, help people in a crisis. Uh, And now they've updated this. Uh, with uh, in a number of new ways so if you're in the path of a hurricane for example google will display a crisis notification which will direct you to a hurricane forecast predicting the storm's trajectory which is really useful isn't it yeah absolutely i think that one of the best things is that we have this up-to-date knowledge in our hands but like if you're just wandering around you're not going to be constantly searching is there an emergency happening right now it kind of needs to be put in your face right yeah so um anything that google can do to keep you alerted and aware and make sure that you're sort of able to get to some place of safety in time is uh, incredible. Yeah. And keep you alive. Even. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like these are important, important things. Yeah. So there's, there's earthquake notifications, hurricane notifications, um, and, uh, flood warnings as well for affected areas around the world. Obviously particularly parts of the world, they're more prone to natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Um, due to population uh so yeah that's really useful stuff and i mean it'd be really interesting to find out how that actually helps as well um you know the, the fact that like someone's phone in you know, like 18 months two years time once the data is collected how someone's phone has saved maybe not just one like maybe like an entire village yeah absolutely and there's the um if you're using in google maps it'll then actually try and direct you away from the danger so it'll redirect yeah. your path as well automatically so it's not like you have to go oh goodness where where am i going uh, yeah. it'll try and work it out for you so that you can just get away as quick as possible yeah it's, it's great stuff it's great development mm. um uh, it's, it's one of those nice google things as well one of those rare nice google things these days yes oh, yeah it's it like, like quite... sat on, yeah sat on your shoulders staring at you so yeah you don't want to do that no put the money there <laughs> yeah it's a it's an altruistic thing but given their um reasonably monopolistic position in the smartphone world i think it's a good thing that they're at least doing it absolutely absolutely okay uh, now let's move on um are you familiar with pandora do you know i've not really used it because i think we're both based in the uk and it's not really available here but i do remember before streaming was a big thing probably in the early 2000s or 2004 2005 pandora didn't like geoblock and so i remember yeah. using it around that time yeah i was and, using it around 2008 2009 before it got blocked yeah and i found an incredible um selection of music i'd never come across before yeah that's the thing with digital music is like the discovery is so important because you know the things you already like but one of the best best things about music is being able to discover new stuff and i remember that uh, itunes which i guess we'll be talking about later as well had a genius function around the same time mm-hmm. so you'd load up your music and it would make curated po- uh, playlists 
based on these artists are all kind of similar. This is the kind of thing that you'd like. Here you go. Here's a thing for you to listen to. Yeah. And uh, Pandora was always kind of the same, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Last FM was doing it as well. I think I switched to Last FM after Pandora got blocked mm. uh, outside of the US. Um, but I mean, I've gone back to Pandora. My, my account's still there. And, you know, with a VPN, I can just go back to Pandora and listen yeah. to the old tracks. I, I found it remarkable because I, I, I particularly like kind of um, British blues music from the 60s or mm. late 60s. So I found these incredible groups I'd never heard of before. And like I'd yeah. mentioned them to my parents and it's it's like a bolt out of the blue in some cases or in other cases, mm. complete, complete <laughs> bewilderment. Um, so Spotify started testing a new app called Stations. Um, it was launched initially in 2018, curiously in Australia. Um, I'm assuming they just had easy easy access to the song rights. Have, must, yeah, exactly. It must have been a rights thing, yeah. Um, yeah. It's now a free app that offers a Pandora-like experience. So you select a playlist to play or create one from scratch and the music starts playing, even if you do other things. And it, you can give songs a thumbs up or a thumbs down, which will affect the songs that you then subsequently listen to. Um, Spotify, once more, kind of uh, tightening their grip on on the um, the, the, the streaming of music really yeah user curated music streaming i mean it's a really I, I like the idea of it i'm not quite sure why it needs to be a separate app but you know there you go i suppose maybe because it's quite simple and anyone can just use it and it's kind of like it's taking one of the more basic features of spotify and just sort of putting it somewhere else so that anybody can use it you don't have to get involved in all the technicalities of spotify you can just sort of press play and yeah. you'll learn what you like yeah. Well, I mean, Spotify themselves are saying that they routinely conduct a number of experiments to create better listening experiences for their users. Uh, some of those tests end up paving the way for broader user experience and others serve only as an important learning. Spotify stations is one of those tests, which would mean either they'll give up on it or they'll integrate it, I suspect. Yeah, it's a bit like the uh, Google Inbox app from a few years ago. Yeah. Which they kind of integrated a few features into Gmail and then and then killed Inbox. Indeed, yeah. Okay, so that's Spotify Station. Now, as ever, everything that we speak about in the release or podcast uh, and probably a few other things will be included in the show notes. So uh, all you need to do is just uh, wherever you've got this podcast from or visit makeusoft.com, iTunes, wherever, uh, scroll down and you should find the relevant links. Just click them and you can just catch up, find out exactly what we're talking about. Um Apple had a big announcement last week, uh, more or less w- within an hour of us recording last week's really useful podcast, which is why we didn't include it. Uh, iTunes is about to die, which for many of us, uh, those of us on Windows, um, that's great because it's been a kind of a, a, a What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Millstone? Millstone around the neck? Is that the right phrase? Or Sounds about a, right. Yeah, it's been a pain, hasn't it, using iTunes on a Windows computer? Mm. Um, it's, it hasn't been a reliable, consistent experience as it is on, on Mac OS and um, Mac OS X before that. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of mixed. They're breaking it up into kind of three constituent apps, which if you've been using iOS, I think you've probably spotted that coming anyway, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the most notable one was Apple Podcasts got spun off a few years ago yeah. um, to break into the 
pod, you know, the ever popular podcasting realm. So you can have a separate app for that. Then Apple Music came along as their Spotify compa- um, alternative. And now the newest one is moving movies and films and things into a dedicated Apple TV app. Yeah. And then that pretty much ties off all of the things that iTunes used to be used for. So if you did have an iTunes library, though, you can now find that in the Apple Music app. So Apple Music is a streaming service, but it's also an app where you can access your your purchase content. So a bit like if you're using Windows, uh, a bit like the Amazon, or even iOS, it's a bit like the Amazon Music app in that respect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Apple Podcasts will bring 700,000 of the best entertainment, comedy, news, and sports shows to your Mac. Um, have we got any news on what's going to happen with the Windows version of iTunes? They seem to be very focused on the Mac version. I think it's staying for now. Right. I think that's the idea. Makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, because they're not going to release three different apps for, for Windows. I mean, mm. even iTunes has barely been updated in the same way that the, the right, Mac exactly. version has over the years. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I mean, there is, I mean, as I mean, there's still that little Bonjour app is still part yes. of the, the iTunes installation, isn't it? All these years later yeah. when, you know, for a, completely unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. For certainly at least five years and probably, I don't know, 13, 14 years, probably mm. don't. Um, but yeah it's still there um it has other purposes but it is generally a waste of time the other thing um that was announced at wwdc 2019 is that apple's launching a new operating system specifically for ipads called ipad os now i had initially thought this was just for ipad pros but it seems to be for all ipads yeah it sounds like a pretty good deal actually because one of the hardest things about tablets in general, whether it's Android or iOS, has always been that they've been like just a bigger smartphone, but not as yep. big as your computer. And so there's never really been a particular reason to go to one of those devices. But over the past few years, Apple's been positioning the iPads and certainly the iPad Pro as like a computer replacement so that you can take it around with you. It's light, but you can attach Bluetooth keyboards, but you could do all your work on it. But still using single apps, no proper multitasking, it's still been a bit awkward to do it on there. Yeah. And the idea should be now that iPad OS breaks it away from the smaller iPhone devices and means that they can actually have something that is developed specifically for the tablet and for sort of the future of working, really. The, this, that they're positioning it as, you know, there's better support for the Apple Pencil and it has desktop class browsing with safari i am a new text editing i am wondering whether they've looked at what samsung have done with dex and thought that they can do that with the ipad but they need a bit of a new os to do it so i would be yeah i would not be surprised to see that coming into ipad os now the the thing that was most interesting for me that i can't see on our article here but i'm sure i remember reading that the files app can now actually download files because I've been using an iPad for recipes recently and I've got a PDF of recipes that I want to cook from. Right. But you cannot download anything directly to the device. So you always have to look at it in an app, which means then you can't search it. You can't save it there. It is the most frustrating thing that I have ever come across (laughs) because I just want to save it to the device so I can search it for the recipe I'm looking for. But theoretically, 
this change to files, if I'm recalling it right, should mean that you can download things and actually use them locally on the device rather than always having to go to the cloud to find That'd it. That'd be useful, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've noticed that. My wife has an iPad, and uh, it, do, it does feel for something that's so lightweight and powerful that it does have... The operating system does have some annoying restrictions, such as uh, mm. such as that. So yeah, that'll be good if they can bring that. Um, check out the show notes for more on that. Okay, we're going to move on to some tips now. Um, I don't think it really matters whether you're uh, writing articles on the internet or you're writing reports or you're doing schoolwork or whatever. Um, grammar is pretty important, regardless of what language. But we're specifically talking about English. Um, it's not nece- necessity as uh, our colleague Megan Ellis writes in uh, everyday life and certainly not in conversation. But, you know, for printed documents or submissions, it is uh, it looks professional. It feels professional. And I've, I've, you know, I've been writing for a while. And I think the better the grammar and the more confident you are in the quality of it, the overall, the better your writing is going to be. We um, do you use any grammar checking tools before we roll into this. I do, actually. It's the first one on this list. Yeah, Grammarly. So I guess, yeah, yeah. So I was looking for something, um, as people may know, we write for a predominantly uh, US-based publication, and so we use US English. Yeah. But we're both British writers, and so my default is always the Britishisms and British words and British spellings. Yeah. And a few years ago, this was becoming a particular problem for me. Uh, many editors sending me feedback going, you've written the wrong thing, you've written huh. the wrong thing, you've included a U where there isn't one. And um, after some research, I found that Grammarly was probably going to be the best one to help me pick out those things and maybe more naturally over time develop uh, an eye for it. I think I've used Grammarly many years ago when I published, self-published, well, crowdfund published a book of reviews and commentary of a popular British time travel adventure series. I wonder Uh, what that could be. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> Danger Mouse, no. Um, and I wasn't impressed with what Grammarly brought back for me. It, mm. uh, it it seemed to bring up problems where there weren't problems and ignore places where there were problems. So I think yeah. in terms, I think when it gets to, I think you got to get the length right, haven't you? I think mm. if you're talking a book length document, I mean to start off with, yeah, you need grammar checking, but I think you need to be doing what i generally do which is use my word processor for the grammar checking yeah um and make sure i've got particular specifications set up uh in in the i I use word most of the time at the moment and there's various settings you can set in word to you know get the grammar right get the formatting right as well so i generally use that i think grammarly is good for long documents but not for uh not for book length no and if you and if you paste something into it, it removes all the formatting and then it yeah. starts getting confused. Like, so one of the things that we have is when you've got a header and you've pasted it from your word processor into there, it just, it removes the spaces and dumps all the words next to each other. And then obviously it calls out, there's no spaces here. You're like, yes yeah, or yeah. no, because there's a header there. You just killed them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not flawless, but it, it's probably the one that fitted into my workflow the best. Yeah. And I think, in many of these cases, the, even the ones that we go through later on, is the same thing. It's going to depend on how you intend to use it and maybe a bit of trial and error. So you try a couple of them, see how it works, find yeah. the one that fits for you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, on the list, we've got after the deadline, 
which is an open source grammar checker, which I think is, if it's not actually integrated, you can integrate it into WordPress uh, in, in order to, you know, check your grammar. Oh, yeah, developed by Automatic, the same company behind WordPress at all, has a level of trust that many other free grammar checkers don't. Yeah, I've definitely used it in WordPress. Uh, we have Ginger, a grammar and punctuation checker. There's Pro Writing Aid, a grammar checker for writers and professionals. Uh, that will be us. Maybe check that out. And Scribens, Scribens, three. I just Scribens, I guess. Scribens. Scribens. I don't know. I suppose Scribens scribe makes in more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Which is a free grammar checker for students. Um, so, so the interesting thing that I forgot to mention about Grammarly is. Uh, you do, and it's a cloud-based service. So everything you write in there is going to be submitted to them. And clearly that's a privacy concern to most mm -hmm. people. I've kind of made my peace with it because I use it for professional work only. I don't use it for more personal right. things like emails and stuff. Um, but the specific thing about Scribens, I'm going to go with Scribens, is that it does this locally and it doesn't transfer any of the text to servers which right. means that it's particularly good and well suited for academics because it means that there's no movement of intellectual property, you know, because you, sure. if you're writing a, a uh, academic paper or something that's going to be submitted for a patent or something like that, you really don't want that data getting released totally. anywhere else. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's an entirely kind of, I think for most people, unseen dimension of using a grammar checker, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's uh, five tools to uh, check your grammar. And as mentioned, you can use your word processor as well. That will, um, if you find the right commands in there. I mean, in Word, I think it's just F7 does a spelling and grammar check by default. Okay, um, positivity apps to manage mental health and boost your spirits. I, I'm... Uh, a slight disadvantage here. I don't have massive experience of relying on apps for anything other than kind of purely functional yeah activities so um, I'm, I'm just going to quickly run through this and then we'll have a chat um so we have no zero days uh which gives you a, um is how useless a day may seem you can make a difference by doing one small step which is a nice uh, philosophy i have nail uh, both these for android and ios it's a mood tracking journal with voice notes uh, sort of an emotional diary that you can use. Uh, we have Empty Your Cup, which is a web tool, which um, is a daily microblog of positive wisdom. Skills, which is a mindfulness and stress reduction games collection for Android and iOS. Um, which that sounds quite cool. And mm. we have Care Cards, which is a web tool, um, positive self-care reminders. Um, these have been compiled by our colleague Mihir Patka. Uh, I mean, they look good and as a, and as I noticed um, that, that collection of games I think that's something I might uh, have a look into just you know I'm, parent, I'm a parent of three children so that yeah and anything that reduces stress is quite useful Indeed. I feel. And, uh, <laughs> and gamifying things is a fun way to do it as well mm. because it, it turns it from so giving another example that people might be more familiar with, uh, the language app Duolingo kind of gamifies learning languages. Now, sure. you might remember at school, you just had to learn a text by rote and say, this is this word, this is what it means, this is this yep. word, and here's a sentence. And it's not necessarily the way that everybody learns or finds the most useful. And it turns it into possibly a bit of a tedious task. 
So gamifying something like stress reduction means that you're not having to add yet another task that adds to your stress. You know, like, oh, God, goodness, I've got to go and do this stress reduction app because otherwise, yeah. like, you know, it's something that's meant to be fun, um, but also have the added benefit of some mindfulness and stress reduction. Sure. Uh, so have, have, have you used anything? So have you used anything like this or? Um, I've used a couple of habit building apps in the past, but they weren't very, I think it was more a problem with my planning. So I didn't have very, um, oh, what's the, what's the words like smart tasks to do. So it would okay. be like, um, too broad. So I'd end up marking it as complete, even though I couldn't really determine see, whether right. or not I'd completed something. And so it's not really the app's fault. It was more, more my fault yeah, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. working harder to, to get it right. But I do find some of these kind of things quite helpful. I mean, I've written in the past about mindfulness apps, which, you know, is sort of a similar, similar genre of things. But it's that we've got this, to a lot of people, life can seem kind of inherently more stressful now, especially with smartphones, constant notifications, emails, having to take work home with you and stuff. But what's nice about, <clears throat> excuse me, about lists like this is that it shows that your phone doesn't just have to be a stress device. It's not just constantly, you've got to be doing something, you've got to be productive, you've got to be working. Yeah, yeah. There's other things you can do with it too. And some of that involves sort of being more positive and, and helping you have a, a better day, hopefully. Yeah, I've been um, in and outing an app called Grasshopper, which teaches you how to code, mm-hmm. um, which is a completely different angle on this. But again, it's using your phone to kind of, in a different way. Um, yeah, and I, I found that kind of useful, but again, I end up just um, not have vast periods of time not using it at all. Mm. Um, and although it's, you know, you, you can't progress unless you've completed particular stages. Um, it's you can't cheat it, but at the same time, you, I've it it is it is a kind of topic I find difficult to kind of retain. So. I do. Yeah. And if I don't get into it after like a week or so, if I ignore it for a bit, then I, I, I think time passes and I, I less likely want to give it any attention because I'm going to go back yeah. and do things and try again. So I can retain it for like, you know, half an hour or so. But after that, it's gone. I don't know. I've just got this mental block with coding. It's a difficult thing to learn, especially because they yeah. kind of, it's not when you're wandering around your day, like you might be able to repeat spanish phrases in your head for example but you don't really have the same way to do that with coding do you it's a bit like no. learning maths you know well, it's, it's, it's funny because html when i first started learning html that really really i just couldn't handle it and then i discovered its, yeah. its origins uh in terms of markup and then bang i had it completely understood yeah. everything about it and its purpose um same with css once I understood its relation to the HTML files and where it comes in and the, the the hierarchy was the main problem. Once I got that, I had it. But anything more complicated than that, whether it's um, uh, Java or, or ASP or PHP, I just can't, or Python, even I can't handle it at all. I just cannot retain it. It's, uh, it's yeah. a strange thing. It's, I think it's the, the whole, I mean, we're obviously getting way off topic here, but I think it's the whole arrays thing. Um, that aspect of that, just you know, that declaration, that just, and it's the seemingly arbitrary names that things are given. I think that, yeah, I think that's what uh, kills it for me. So anyway, um, 
back back to this uh, mindfulness and mental health management and boosting your spirits using just a phone which you know given the importance of keeping a positive mental attitude and having a good work life leisure balance um having something that can do that in your pocket that's quite useful isn't it absolutely yeah um i think that because the the title here is obviously manage your mental health and one of the key ways you can do that is by reminding yourself of positive things you know that's why there's so many positive uh, inspirational quotes on instagram and that sort of stuff but sometimes positivity can only go sort of so far you know it's and it's not a failure but some days you'll just wake up and feel like yeah okay i've seen that quote but i still don't feel any more motivated any more positive or any better and um that can be really tough and while we were off air last month but that was mental health awareness month and then there was mental health awareness week at the end and sometimes you know you would be feeling down and you feel like you can't really talk to anyone about that and there are two organizations that i'm going to just highlight here that do okay. incredible work for when you want to be able to talk about these kind of thoughts and feelings that are getting you down but you don't necessarily want to talk to the people around you about them so in the us there's the suicide prevention lifeline and in the uk there's the samaritans so the suicide prevention lifeline is available 24 hours a day and that's on 1-800-273-8255 and you can also go on their website and do a live chat and in the uk the samaritans is on 116-123 and that's a free phone number as well and those people will be able to talk to you confidentially about however you're feeling and so while you can do your best with managing your mental health with these apps and things it's also important that you know that you don't have to struggle through a day if you if you're not feeling it you know there's always people around that you can talk to as well absolutely and as as ever um, anything you need to, that you've learned from the show uh, that's vital will be included in the show notes including those numbers as james mentioned we'll move on from there we've um, got some giveaways running on makeyourself.com as ever but um the giveaways that james and i are both involved in now the one i'm going to talk about very briefly first of all isn't live yet um but i have been i've completely forgotten what it is oh yeah that's right i've <laughs> <laughs> i've been using um a device called a pluggable ud cube or usb c docking station cube um, what it is it's a very small box um it's like 65 by 35 by 55 millimeters it's usb-c compatible and you can connect any usb-c compatible laptop or hybrid tablet or android tablet to it and use it as a docking station and it's really really useful because the size is really cool um if, if you're the type of person who uses the same workspace all the time um having a docking station with hard drives connected and stuff that's really useful uh so there's a giveaway coming along for that and make yourself welcome. and it's also compatible with android devices and while it will only mirror the majority of android devices if you're using a samsung galaxy with dex which you mentioned earlier on which is a desktop environment then you can hook that up and bang your samsung galaxy s8 or later or samsung galaxy note eight or later or samsung galaxy tab s4 or s5e more or less turns into a pc uh so that's you know you get a full desktop experience using dex and you can even use the tablet or phone touchscreen as a uh, keyboard and touchpad now this is something that's built in to 
um, the Samsungs, but uh, having a useful little cube that just turns into a docking station, where docking stations have traditionally been um, kind of, uh, you know, the restricted to a particular device or range of devices. So to have something that's just completely open that anyone can just plug into, um, that's really, really cool. So there's a giveaway coming along for that in the next few days. Um, but um, James, tell us about the Gladius Mini underwater drone, because that sounds awesome. Yes, and it, it pretty much is. So this came about, we were at CES earlier this year, and we will be there at IFA, which is uh, in Berlin, and then CES next year. But um, we we came across this uh, underwater drone and decided to try it out and give it a review. Now, the good thing is the company was kind enough to give us one of them to give away to any of you listeners, readers, viewers, whichever way you're coming to us in. And um, it is a $1,500 device, but it allows you to explore underwater. I mean, it was really fun to use. It's a little device. It's probably about the size of a laptop, a bit heavier than that. Um, it has a 4K camera for video and a 12 megapixel for photos. And it comes with a 50 meter tether. So you've got a pretty big depth that you can go down. It can go down to 100 meters, but it comes with a 50 meter tether and you can buy the 100. And yeah, it was just really cool to go and do some exploring with it. Now, the only thing that I would say about it is that if you've got sort of poor lighting conditions in the water that you're going to use it in, maybe it's not the most useful device. So I tried it in a lake in London and basically got unusable footage. You know, you couldn't really <laughs> see anything. But if it's a clear day and the water is clear, you're going to get incredible footage from it because the, the video quality is very good. And yeah, we've got one of them to give away. And Excellent. the competition I opened last week, and so I think it's probably got another two weeks from when you're hearing that. So today's the uh, the 10th, and I think this is going out on the 11th or 12th. Yeah. And um, yeah, probably be about another two weeks from that. Excellent. So, yeah, head over to makeuseof.com. Obviously, it'll be in the show notes um, and you can uh, enter that and you can get multiple entries with any makeuseof.com competitions using the competition widget at the foot of the review. Uh, and uh, don't forget to check James's video review to accompany that to get a proper uh, look at the Gladius Mini 4K underwater drone. Wow. $1,500. That's, uh, that's awesome, that. See, that's the thing. It sounds expensive, but then when you compare it to other underwater devices, it's actually pretty reasonable. So Really? Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've... The only thing I've reviewed that's come close to that is the uh, Librem 13 laptop, I think. Which I was very jealous of. Yeah, it's a beautiful device. Really, yeah. It's very nice, yeah. Uh, okay, so that brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast. Um, the, as we always say, and yeah, I seem to forget the tech podcast for technophobes uh if you have any questions about anything we've discussed or any topics that are causing you problems or if you have um by all means get in touch with us send us a message and if you have a friend or colleague or relative who will benefit for some clarity with recent tech events uh put them in our direction share the link with them and uh hello to you new listener we've um got a new show coming next week and obviously we've got uh 20 previous episodes for you to catch up on as well and you can subscribe to us uh, via itunes spotify uh, transistor you can find us on the make use of website and you'll see you'll even find us on youtube and pretty much anywhere else that you can find podcasts these 
days. Big thanks to the Make Use Of Management for hosting us on the site. And it's goodbye from myself, Christian Colley, and from James Frew. We'll be back next week for a new really useful podcast. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>